Sure. Well, I felt this pressure as a young man that, you know what, I don't want the world to think I'm I'm failing at this. You know, I want, you know, I want my family to think I have it together. My wife's got, well, you know, we've got a two-year-old here. I don't want her to worry or, you know, I don't want to transfer this pressure onto her. So you don't say too much. You keep it to yourself. And it just sort of builds and builds into the snowball. You know, it was like there was this um, black hole just following me. You know, whenever I turned around, it was there. It's like, if I don't keep running forward, this black hole is just going to swallow me up. So it's just constant. Keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. That's Andrew Hood. And I'm Brian Falcher. This is Do A Day. You'll hear from the most inspiring people who have been through hard times, overcome them, and have turned around to help others with what they've learned. I'm your host, Brian Falchuk. I know we can all overcome and achieve because I've lived it myself. I've written about it in my book, Do A Day, and that's why I'm bringing you this show. Remember, today's a new day. Go out and do it. Hey, day doers, welcome to another episode of Do A Day. My guest today is Andrew Hood. Andrew is, well, there's two sides to him, as there are for many of us. He's a national sales director for an IT company, but he's also an author and someone who has been very open about the struggle that he talks about here with anxiety, depression, and well, honestly, it's, it's yes, it's about those things, but it's about the secrets inside brewing around those things and our difficulty telling others about it. And that's where the inspiration comes from. And Andrew today is a guest. His, his writing, um, he's done this blog that was got a lot of attention around being open and honest about our mental health struggles and our anxiety struggles, um, which then led to a couple of books that he self-published. And now he's actually writing a series of three novels that explore kind of a, a philosophy or a philosophical view on the process of dying and our honesty with what we have and how we value it and you know, the, the notion that as we die, at least in his first book, we can't bring anything with us when we go to heaven. So what does that mean and how does that feel and how do we interpret what we have and what we care about and our values and it's a really rich conversation. Um, so I want to get into this conversation. It's worth checking out the books. I will link to all those in the show notes. But for now, let's listen to the life story and the transformation he himself went through with Andrew Hood. Andrew Hood, thank you so much for joining me today. Brian, thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm so excited to be on your show. Yeah, no, I um I you know, I was saying before we started, the week that we're recording this is the week that Steve Austin's episode came out, which you listened to and yeah. we're talking about how it resonated. And so it is it's fun how the world kind of does that. I think it's is is more than any of us may realize how much these things tend to align. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really love that show. I mean, I mean, I haven't had a chance to listen to all of his shows, but that one I, I happened to catch, and it was uh, it was really great. And I, uh, you know, there was some some similarities in his story, so I think it was really good. Good yeah. timing. Um, it's not auspicious. It's uh, it's Kismet or something. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's all it's good stuff. Um, so I yeah. do I do obviously I want to get into your backstory, and that's where you know mm -hmm. listeners, regular listeners, will notice why that that spoke to you and, and why, you know, sure. we both see that connection. Um, but just give us a little bit of, of the today. So what is it that you do these days? And, and then we'll work into how, how you got there. Yeah. 
Yeah, thanks for that, Brian. I, look, I've, I've got a few uh, a few things, a few irons in the fire, if you like, today. Um, I work for a, for a, an international IT company, and I'm a, a sales director for that company. So I, I really enjoy working with with young people and and helping them at, in the early stages of their of their career. So I really enjoy that part of my life. Um, but I've also been a writer, for, you know, uh, uh, on the side for the last. 10 or so years and that writing is really sort of coming coming good now and and there's a book about to be launched soon and um you know it's it's a new part of my life that i'm just getting so excited about and and while you sort of have you know the, the things you do for work sometimes you got to have a bit of passion on the side too and and that's where i'm that's where i'm living at the moment i'm living in that little passion lane um so i'm having good i'm having good fun yeah good i love fun. that i'm a big i'm a big advocate for the side hustle the side hustle, the, the, the passion right. lane. I haven't heard that before, but I like it more than the side hustle because that speaks to. I what think it I is. just made that up on the spot, Brian. So well, sorry about you, that. <laughs> patent it, register the domain name, all that before right, we get too far. Down. Yeah, um, sure. But I think that's the point. Is actually mm. it? It is that the passion lane. It's you're not doing it because you have to. There's a draw mm. there. There's um, it's, it's the creative outlet. That sense of the rest of us that needs to come out and have a space. Um, so that is really Absolutely. interesting. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So while I'm very um, appreciative of the IT work that you and your peers in the industry do, let's get into more of what led to the passion. Yeah. Line, right. So they sure, um, sure. bring bring us back a ways to, you know, what sort of started the journey and, and why, you know, we, we connected in the first place. Yeah, sure. So look, I think, um, I, I guess you could say interesting times um, started for me probably about probably about 15 years ago. Um, you know, I'm I'm a, a junior sales rep uh, in an IT company. Uh, I was being mentored, uh, luckily, um, by by one of the best in in the business. So, really, was on a on a great path, um, earning great money for someone. Um, I'll say late 20s, but it may have been early 30s. I don't really want to give away my age. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, and, and if you think about the the um, the climate or the economic climate in Australia, yeah. you know, everybody's making big money and property. We love our property here in Australia and, you know, buying houses and investment houses and all of that sort of, sort of thing is big here. And so... Uh, and I guess I've always been one of these guys that's had like seven projects on at once. So yeah. my life was full. I had these little, little, we'll, we'll go with these little passion projects all over the place. Um, you know, my career's on this great trajectory. Um, and, uh, you know, I was, I was and I've, of course I have my wife and, and two-year-old son. So, you know, a new family starting out and we really just was in a great place and, I was tapped on the shoulder and, and and they said to me, you know, we'd like to promote you. Um, we want you to move to another city and and uh, have this new great job. And, um, you know, I think at the time, I, I think if you looked under a microscope, you may have seen a few little cracks. But mm. when everything's going well, you don't you don't notice that stuff. Yeah. Right. You, you just it, it doesn't matter. So yeah. you sort of just go with the flow and you get excited and. And life's good. So I think um, change city, um, and you know what? For six months, everything was great. It it all went really well. Then a few things started to happen at once. The the work that I'd um, 
agreed to move down to the new city for going down to Melbourne. Yeah. Um, just dried up like overnight. There was a, you know, you know, we were getting, you know, $14 million from a client and uh, in a month, uh, and that went down to about 300,000. And we have a team of, wow. you know, 15 people on an account yeah. that just could not support the business. So yeah. all of a sudden I went from this plum job to, oh my gosh, if we're going to keep this guy in the company, we've got to find something else for him to do. And which usually means you get the job nobody else wants. Yeah. Um, so you sort of, I, I just got sort of taken in and I was literally walking into meetings and the customer was only taking the meeting so that they could swear at me in person. Like, oh, that's great. So yeah. it was a, it was a real uh, crash back down to earth, I think, um, uh, you know, for, for me in a career sort of perspective. But also um, about a year earlier, uh, we, me and my wife had decided to invest in a, in a small property development deal. Like I was saying at the time, you could not lose in property in Australia. Yeah, like yeah. anybody who owned property did well and they did well fast. And, you know, we had a bit of money coming in. So, we, you know, we thought we'd try our luck. And, uh, and then, you know, the GFC hit and all of these things hit and, and um, all of a sudden I found myself um, in a place where my job wasn't going well, so I wasn't earning good money, but I was also starting to get calls from the bank saying, uh, you need to give us $6,000 in two days. You need to give us $10,000 by tomorrow. And you need, like I was getting these calls yeah. regularly. And, and you know what? You can scrounge around a few times and you can make things happen sometimes. Yeah. But the pressure it puts on you is just just incredible, just yeah. incredible. So those little cracks that were there earlier started to get a little bit bigger. Yeah. <laughs> and um, the stress that it puts you under is, re is really incredible. But um, think the thing that I found – so – you know, I it, it, it's hard, and, and again, it, it's something that that I heard on 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 your previous podcast. But yeah. you you sort of had this pressure, or I felt this pressure as a young man that, you know, what I don't want the world to think I'm I'm failing at this. Yeah. You know, I want you know I want my family to think I have it together. My wife's got well, you know we've got a two year old here. I don't want her to worry, or you know I don't want to transfer this pressure onto her. So. Yeah. You don't say too much. You keep it to yourself. Um, and it just sort of builds and builds into the snowball. And, um, you know, the money, we weren't quite getting to the end of that money. And it just – and I said to somebody, it was, it was sort of – you know, it was like there was this um, black hole just following me. You know, whenever I turned around, it was there. I was like, if I don't keep running forward – this black hole is just going to swallow me up. So it's just constant, keep moving forward, keep moving forward. And I remember, I remember one day and I walked into the office and uh, there was, a, you know, one of the team there, a young girl who I knew quite well. And she pulled me aside and said, Andrew, I'd like you to be my mentor. And I said, me? You know, I thought, well, she's smart, this one. She'll know exactly what she wants. So I said to her, why do you want me to be your mentor? And she said, because you just have it all together. You just, you are, you know, I see you as the guy that just has everything under control. And um, 
two hours before that, I'd been crying in a meeting room. <laughs> I'd been crying alone in a meeting room with the door, with my back to the door because there was no locks. Um, can, can I interrupt you for a second? I, please do. Please do. <laughs> there's, I, I like. I have to ask something about this, but there was a question way earlier that I want to throw out. Um, sure, sure. Going back to the super successful days, like yes. pre pre promotion, yeah. would you have said in, at that time genuinely that you were happy, or maybe more accurately, would you say now as you reflect back that you were actually happy then? Yeah, so. <sighs> So I, so what I know now is that I suffer from anxiety mm. and I think I didn't know that then. Yeah. So I didn't know, um, I didn't know what it was or why I felt like I was a little bit different to other people or, you know, um, so was, was I happy? Um, probably not as happy as I am now yeah. because I, I just didn't know what that thing that I just kept wanting was. Yeah. And it was just, you know, it was just chasing that that um that state of not having an anxiety yeah. feeling at all times, I guess. Okay. Um the I, I didn't want to spoil some of where you're going with this. So I'm sorry <laughs> if I just took away. No, the, please, please. This moment and when you when you shared a bit of your story before with me and you talked about someone asked you to mentor them, which is you know the point mm. of the story we're at right now. I had these two very mixed interpretations. One is like, oh, maybe that felt really good and gave you hope. And like, maybe my sense of things isn't the way they are because someone else sees it differently. The flip side is, oh God, this is even more pressure. And as you're talking about the facade and having to look a certain way and not seem like a failure and that feeling mm. of failing, then someone else puts you up on a pedestal in a way. And, yeah. And it can yeah, just yeah. feel like, you know, there's even more stuff I have to live up to that I can't. How did you feel in that moment? Look, I don't think um, I don't think it made me. It put extra pressure on me. I don't think it was that because I I I actually love the mentoring side. That's what I love about my job at the moment. You know, as I I have so many people that I can help, and I yeah. I get a big buzz out of helping people. But what it made me feel is that I was living a lie. Mm. because uh, I had all of this on the inside. Nobody knew about it. I'm desperately trying to convince myself and the world that I'm not a failure. Um, and yet other people are looking at me and, and seeing something different. Yeah. They're seeing something a little bit golden. So it wasn't about the, yeah, it just, it, it was, I remember it. I remember it thinking that day, you know, I'm living a lie. Yeah. So that was a big day for me. Yeah. Um, all right. Let me let me not interrupt you then. So no. So you're in this room crying. A couple hours later, mm, mm. someone's like, "Hey, you've got your stuff together. I want you to mentor me." <laughs> so look, it it was you know it, I got out of that room and um, I collected myself and you know I went about my my day, but. Within, within a couple of days of that, I think the cracks were showing to the point where my wife knew something was wrong. Yeah. And, um, and, and she knew we, you know, we were having some difficulties. You know, it's not like I kept everything from her or anything like that, but I think I kept the real, you know, the state of how bad it really was from her. Yeah. And maybe I didn't sort of let her 
share in some of the pain that I was going through to try and, you know, make it all happen and get there. So I don't think she quite saw that, but eventually she did. So, um, and and I'm very lucky in that, you know, I have a a great and loving family around me and, and, and one day, um, she called my father and, and I have a great relationship with my father and, and she said, uh, I'm really worried uh, about Andrew. You know, I'm I'm actually scared he might do something crazy. He might hurt himself. I know he's under a lot of stress. Yeah. So um, I remember driving home from work and, and getting a call from my father saying, what is going on? What's yeah. what's the problem? So that was a that was a it was a really tough call, but it was a great call. Because dad said something to me that I'll, I'll always remember. And now being a father, I've got three children now, which is great. But he said to me, uh, I said, I didn't want to worry you, dad. I, I wanted you to think that I had it together, that, you know, I wasn't a failure. And he said, you don't understand. One of the best things a father can hear is, dad, I need help. And he said, I just, I live for these days because I'm here to help you. I want to help you. I don't want to just you know, send you off into the world and, and you're your own man and, yeah. and that's it, you know. Yeah. He said, I'm here all the way through. You know, I don't care if you're 100 years old, I'm here to help you yeah. if I'm still able to do so. So so what it did is a couple of things. It, it, it helped with the financial situation and, and within a week I was sitting down with, with my accountant and him and we'd come up with a plan of how we we're going to solve all of that financial issue out. But it also... And, and this wasn't, you know, anything to do with my father, but I started to see a therapist. Yeah. Which was a really interesting process for me because I remember going in there and she said to me, oh, you, I, I said, I'm living this sort of secret life or life, of, you know, with secrets. And she said, how does that make you feel? And I said this thing to her. I said, you know what? I've always thought that secrets were character building. So I am stronger because of all of these secrets. And she said, Andrew, in our profession, there is a saying, and it's completely opposite to that. And now the saying in our profession is you are only as sick as your secrets. Uh. And um, it just put everything in a perspective when she said that, right? The bigger the secrets, you know, the sicker I was in effect. Yeah. And and I said to her, all right, well, just fix me up with this, send me back out into the world and I'll be fine, you know, and then yeah. I'll be good for another year or so. And right. she said, no, 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 we can fix this. Why don't we fix it? So, look, we, I guess the, the recovery started from that point. When was and, this? Um, this would have been about maybe about 10, 12 years ago. So you went through three to five years. Yeah. In the, in the process. About, yeah. Yeah. The, the really bad part was probably about, about eight months. Yeah. Really bad. Eight months. But the, what happened was the money situation was good. It like, it got better, but yeah. the anxiety and the depression, cause then this depression came, yeah. um, that was still there. Yeah. And the problem was, I just kept, it was, it was like this, you're not on even ground. All of a sudden yes. you're in a hole and then you're up high and then you're down low. And I just could not even out. I could not bring the standard up. That makes sense. Yeah. And I think it's a really good illustration of 
what I hear a lot of people say is they recognize they're in a bad way, but they, mm. they tie it to one specific thing going on. And once that's done, I'll be okay. Once, yeah. once we're through this financial issue, it will be all right. Once I make it through the grieving process, the signing the papers on the divorce through the whatever, then I'll be I'll okay. Be but actually, yeah. I mean, back to the secret point, you haven't actually worked through anything. It may not be happening anymore, but you're still living with it. Yeah, that's right. I'm not getting calls from the bank, but, yeah. um, you know, there's still this this thing then that I have to deal with internally. So it started that process. And, and look, she was she was a great um, she was a great therapist. So, you know, I, I really um, I really um, so I could say I enjoyed that time, but I, it, they were tough times. <laughs> they were yeah. tough yeah. sessions. Um, but it sort of, it sort of half got me through. It got me personally through. Um, and then I started to, I started to write, um, about 10 years ago. And that was a different process again, because, um, I, I said to my wife once, you know, and, I, and I've heard other writers say this, so I'm, I'm, you know, it's definitely not something I, I've, I think alone, but I don't always know what I'm thinking until I write it down. For yeah. me, this is a big thing. Like, and I didn't realize it, so I started writing things down. I, I created a blog. It was called the Weekly Tipping Point, which isn't around anymore. But for me, it was it was a bit of fun at the start. I wrote about you know fun things that nobody you know weren't lasting. Yeah. So you weren't and, writing and then, about the darkness you were feeling. Not yet. Yeah. Okay. And then um, we. I don't know if you have it there. We have a day called Are You Okay Day. Is, no. that, is that an international no, thing? No, and we sh well, if it is, it's, it doesn't get enough attention in the U.S. I've not heard of it. It's, it's a wonderful day here in Australia. It's called Are You OK? Um, just the two letters, Are You and then OK. And it's the theory is you, you're supposed to then go and ask your family and friends, Are You OK? You know, mental yeah. health sort of day. Yeah. And I wrote a blog post for Are You OK? Day, and it was about me suffering from anxiety and depression. And uh, at that point, I knew, but nobody else in the world knew, you know? And so it was like, oh, I wrote this thing. Do I click send on this? I, yeah. I'm really yeah. like, if I do, people are going to know a lot of things about me, you know? Am I really ready for that sort of scrutiny? Or, And I did. I clicked, I clicked, um, I clicked publish, and all of a sudden the blog just went crazy because I was getting comments Google seemed to like it all of a sudden because people were interacting. I was getting uh, traffic flow that I'd never had before. But all of my friends all of a sudden knew about yeah. this struggle that I'd been through. My mother knew. I mean, they knew I was having financial trouble, but they didn't know about any of this. So my mum was – I remember my sister calling saying, uh, you better call mum. You know, she's yeah. she's a bit upset. She feels like she's let you down and – and all of this sort of stuff. So, um, but I think the flip side of it was it shone a light into it, and yeah. it, and not just for me, for everybody else, because people started coming up to me and saying, "Hey, I think that's me. Like, yeah. I'm living like that." Yeah. And my sister was saying, "Hey, maybe it's a family thing because I suffer from it as well." Yeah. And it turns out my dad does, and I don't know if it's hereditary, but. You know, like, you know, it, it, we, we're seeing a thread going through the yeah. family. I do think the whole nature versus nurture debate, 
I think it's mm. next to impossible to pick out. I mean, maybe like for geneticists it is, but if your parents deal with something, anxiety or, or their views on something, and you're raised in that environment, how do you pick out if, look, that's the way we are in our wiring or yeah. that's the context you were raised in? Like, I worry about the same things, some of the same things my dad does, whether it's yeah. rational or not. And I, like, yeah, yeah. I am so like him in that respect. And mm. I don't think that's mm. genetic. Like, I think no. it's because that was modeled for me. And he's okay, yeah. so maybe worrying about it is what makes it okay. Like, that keeps you on top of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and look, I think we're that way. I, you know, I, I can't speak for you and your relationship with your father, but, you know, I could be 100 years old. I still want to be grow up to be my father. You know, he's yeah. a great man. And yeah. and so if he's worried about something, I'm worried about it. Yeah. You know, so, so I think you're right there. I think yeah, we take yeah. on we take on what they give us sometimes. And, and that, that's not any fault of their own. I'm sure I'm passing on. Yeah, you know, lots of things to my children as well. Yeah. But um, yeah, so it was good. And all of a sudden, I guess I became, I became the go-to guy for advice on. I seem, I seem to, you know, people want to want to talk to me either as a mentor or, yeah. or since this stuff came out, they they like to talk to me about this sort of stuff. But that's fine, you know. I'm I just like to help people, so it's, yeah. it's been a really good thing for me. It's been a really good thing, and and it's the final part of the secret. Because that was the last bit I was keeping to myself. Mm. So all of a sudden, that's out as well. And you know what? It's that 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 sense of dread behind me, that that sort of black hole, it's just it's gone altogether now. And and when I say now, I'm I'm talking about the last, you know, eight or nine years. It's yeah. just not there anymore. And, yeah. and it's um you know, it's a much uh, it's a much happier life when you're not being, you know, not trying to outrun something. Yeah. No, I think that's really well said, and it tends to be the kind of thing we may be aware of the burden of the secret mm. or what we believe to be the burden of the secret. When it's gone, we tend to realize we had no idea just how deep you know deep the roots went and how weighty it was. Mm. It's like I always say with a with a problem employee, you know, you have a um, yeah like a toxic coworker. Yeah, a lot of times they're tolerated far longer than they should be because what the boss focuses on is how hard it'll be to make do without them and how much they produce and replacing them and training someone. And so they start yeah. to see the weight of all that they're going to have to do, but the weight of having the person is very hidden and they don't That's realize right. until they're gone just how problematic it was. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I've been through that process as well. Um, probably as the man, well, certainly as the manager, but you know, maybe even, as the employee at times, because, you know, we all go through things in life. So. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying I have. I I'm hope not, not saying I haven't. And yeah, I yeah. Leave it at I that. hope not. But. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there's some people listening and like, I think he's talking about himself right now. Is that me? Is that me? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, that, that is very true. Um, it's amazing how much just opening up about what you're struggling with can do. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So was was writing about it the only thing you were doing i imagine you know in in therapy you were talking through the anxiety and did you work on like the root of it how did you address and would you say yeah. it's still there today look I, I, a couple of things i'd say um the the i i don't think i was looking after my health very well mm. at the time because you know you have other pressing concerns yeah 
So I, I think my blood pressure was high. My cholesterol was through the roof. I remember going to a doctor and, and you know, and he, him having very stern words about me, to me about that. Um, but I started to then, I started to then get fit. But of course, I don't, I don't do anything by halves. So it's not just a matter of, hey, go and get fit. It's a matter of, you know, I want to be peak physical condition and I want to go and do Tough Mudder races and Spartan races and all of this sort of stuff, which just adds another type of pressure on yourself, right? It does, so, yeah. And it's, I think it's part of the problem with me is I don't want to just do anything. I want to do everything really well. Um, and, and I think that's the anxiety of it. I think it's – but – you know what? As as I've said, as when I was in the therapy, she said, "You know, you're an interesting case because you've found a way to make anxiety work for you. Yeah. Like it's because of it, you've been able to achieve some really good stuff yeah. in your career and in your life. Um, but you've got to find a much healthier way yeah. um, to do that. And I think it's writing. Writing was a way for me to just take something out of my head, put it down on paper, and and just take a little bit of its burden yeah. off me. Yeah, you, you know you're that? taking away some of its power, actually. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. It's not controlling you in the same way. Yeah, that's right. And, and as you can probably tell, I'm, I, I'm not a therapist myself, so I am I don't want to be here telling everybody the answers to yeah. their problems, right? I'm, I'm sharing my problems so that if others are going through it, you know, then they'll, they'll know what to look for or, or maybe how to approach it. Yeah. I mean, I think the prescription that maybe can apply is it's okay to say something. Yeah. You know, it's okay to see a professional. It's okay to tell your spouse, your parents, your friends, your whoever. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. a lot of people do, um, I'll get through this myself. You know, yeah. I don't, I don't need to, I don't need treatment. I, I, I can, I can do this. Or you go back to like, you're saying like, there are justifications for it. Like I'm very clear with my anxiety. It served me really well. Like yeah. There's a lot of benefits that have come from it and I'm still standing today. I just haven't felt like I would be. And so, yeah. you know, you know yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm living with a stress that I haven't needed to live with. And that's the side that's that right. doesn't serve. So yeah, Absolutely. finding how to, how to take the best of it without paying hmm. the price. And it is a hefty price yeah. for you yeah, and the people yep, around sure you. Sure is. Yeah. Where, where do you think that need to do everything and do it well came from for you. Have you reflected on that? No, I, well, I, if I, if I have, I haven't come up with an answer. Hmm. Um, and, and, and it was funny, you know, my wife, um, she's like, Oh, here he goes again. You know, he's off on another, on another uh, quest or, you know, cause I'll go, Oh, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to write a movie, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And, I, and she goes, Oh, here we go. Yeah. And so, um, but she's so supportive. So it's not like, you know, but it, but it's always, um, because she knows that I'm just, you know, I, my head's in something when it's in something, it's in something. And yeah. I think, I think that's, that's the drawback of wanting to do everything so well is that when you go, okay, I'm going to do this, yeah. then your attention just gets sucked into it. Yeah. But you know what? She, you know, she's she's so supportive, and um, you know, it's it's not a new thing. It's something that's been going on forever. And yeah, and this this writing thing has been really good for me because it's uh, it's not just like I um, I used to play. Uh, I'm a guitar player, so I used to play music. But music's a, a three minute song, right? And then it's done. Yeah. 
but it didn't give me that lasting sense of I've achieved something. Here is what I've got to show for it. Whereas writing a book actually gives me a, you know, I, it took me, you know, two years to write a book and it, it's, I'll, it'll, I'll have that forever. I'm so yeah. proud of it. So, you know, that's, I get a much better sense of accomplishment from, from this sort of project. Yeah. And, and, um, look for, for everyone, there's different forms of creative outlets. Absolutely. You, you clearly came across the one that serves you really well. And again, I mean, if we're going to take another prescription, I think this is one of them. And, um, there's an episode that's not out yet, so you wouldn't have heard it, but it's this woman, Carly Myers, who teaches about using creativity, um, mm. to deal with stress. And actually I, you know, it really struck me as what are the things that have been the most valuable for me in, in dealing with it? And it's those creative outlets, the physical outlets help too. Yes. But they beat you up in a way and they bring their own stress in a way that creativity for creativity's sake doesn't. Yeah. You know, my artworks yeah, yeah. are going to go hang in a gallery. So it's not about that. It's just about yes. getting that flow from my hand onto the paper. That's great. And, and I think I, I've, found writing because i've been through everything else like yeah, I, yeah. I i went through trying to find what is that one thing that's going to help me yeah and uh, and i found it because i've tried music and art and yeah. photography and all of these things do you think you've always been this way or or is there a moment where you could point like that's when i started pushing so hard on everything i think i've always been this way um I, I said I found my every now and then I find myself saying something and then you know think back on it later and thought oh that was interesting yeah and I and I remember saying you know what I'm, I'm glad I got to the point in my career when my strangeness or weirdness or whatever it is is actually being celebrated uh, mm. rather than like why can't you just be like everybody else yeah. you know <laughs> I remember having bosses going you're just a little bit different you know. Andrew, you're just a little bit different to everybody else, you know. And it wasn't always a negative, but for them it was like, I don't always get this guy, you know, yeah. where is he coming from? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and they like that. They, you know, every team has maybe that those one or two guys are just a little bit different. I yeah. <laughs> love that. Yeah, I mean that can that can make a big difference in bringing out something in the team that wouldn't come out otherwise. Mm, um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that's the nice thing in writing, and and especially blogging, is you write in your style, and mm. if it doesn't appeal to people, that's fine. There's a you know, bajillion other places you can turn to read something that's written the way you want it read, or want it that's written. Right. Um, we have that freedom. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think blogging was really good because it taught me that I could write about a big situation in my life in one or two pages and I could have impact in that writing. And then it sort of occurred to me, Hey, if I wanted to write a book, like life changes. In, and I used to call my blog the tipping point. Cause I believed in these tipping point moments in your life mm -hmm. when everything changes. And so I said, you know what? I could, I could, if I strung a bunch of those together, those little blog posts, I could actually construct a lifetime of somebody, you know, I could, write about those pivotal moments in somebody's life and you can get a pretty good sense of who that person was yes. by understanding those moments right so that's that's the when i first started to go you know what? i think i could write a book i think i could write a novel yeah and um and, and that was that was exciting it was exciting times still can, is 
Well, yeah, I want to talk about it. I want to understand. So what is, what is the point of the book? And, um, yeah, I mean, if you don't mind going into it, cause it's no, not at all. Yeah. So, so the book is called the man who corrupted heaven. And, um, and I was dry. I'll I'll tell you where it came from. I was driving along the road, um, and on the radio, they made that comment that we've all heard multiple times, which is what they say when you you can't when you die, you can't take anything with you. Yeah. And I must have been in one of those reflective moods because all of a sudden my brain started going crazy. And I turned the radio off and I said, why can't you take something with you? And, it, and if I wanted to take something with me, what would I take? And then what would I do with it when I took it? Like, what would I actually do with it on the other side? And all these questions, like, why would I want to take, how would I, how would I physically take something from here to the other side? All these questions came. And so I I pulled over and I wrote these, these two lines. Um, I said, when you die, you can't take anything with you. One man, Isaac McGuinn was determined to prove that wrong. And that was the first two lines of my book. And at that stage, I had no idea what the book was going to be about. Um, but that's how it started. And it's all about um, a rich, a very rich man who doesn't want to give up on all the money he spent his whole lifetime yeah. trying to amass. He wants to take some of that with him. But when he dies, he goes through this thing. In the book, I call it the four stages of death. And I've, I've literally copied the four stages of life by Carl Jung. So... You know, it's the four stages of the death, and he gets to see his life back, and he gets to realize that, you know what, everything he thought he knew about life was was maybe not what he thought, uh, and his friends were maybe not the friends he thought that they that they were, and it's just you just see this this man's death, I guess I'd say life, but you see his life playing out through his death, and it's it's you know I I love philosophy, and yeah. this gave me a way to take some of the things that I believed or, you know, that I was happy to incorporate into a story and put it into a book. And I'm, I'm really, I'm just so proud of it. I'm, I'm very happy. And it's, it's the first of three books. So this is the man that corrupted heaven. I'm about 80% through the sequel to that right now called the man who settled the score. And the final of the three will be the woman who stole the world. And I just oh. could not be more excited to finish these. Uh, you know, the early reviews of the book have been, have been really positive and I'm just so excited about it. So I'm, I'm still stuck on Isaac McGuinn. How do you come up with, cause you had the name instantly. Is it, does it mean something? <laughs> I did. So, so this is a, I guess it's a funny thing. I don't, um, I'm not very good at, you know, I know some writers that'll take a month to come up with a name. Yeah. Um, I got the team sheet of one of my favorite football teams and I mixed the first and last oh, names right. of different players. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, and that's how I got my name. But it, it sort of the Isaac bit was I liked it because it was it sounded almost biblical. It does, yeah. Um, yeah. So that sort of helped me. You know, I wanted to write about these sorts of things. I mean, in this book, there's no God or angels, so it's a it's a different version of heaven. It's not a, yeah. a you know a typical because well, it's not Christian. really about that. It's not about that no. at all, actually. No, no. Yeah, um, but it's um. Yes, yeah, so I'm not good at names, but that was a nice, easy way for me to be able to do it. Oh, this it's really interesting, and and I think um, it's neat for me seeing how you've already sort of seen the arc of the three books mm. and seeing how they fit together. Um, 
do you think that having all three planned out and and already being close to done on on the second one that that's um that that's a bit of the having to be amazing at everything or or are you not feeling that is there a pressure in that or is this just i'm telling my story and it needs to work this way so uh, the the book is about three main characters so each book will be about one of those three people and they've all sort of come you know they've all grown up together so hearing the three perspectives it was never meant to be like i didn't sit down and plan any of this it was literally line by line i wrote this first book and then having finished it i went Wow, I've I've created these lives from nothing. Yeah. And I could continue to tell this story. Like each of them actually has a story. Yeah. So I went, you know what? I'm gonna write a sequel. And then I started to think about it. And I I'm quite I like, you know, I'm I'm quite strong with titles. So having a big strong title to work yeah. to is always good. Um, but it's better for me when I don't know what's coming next. I know a lot of people spend a lot of time plotting out their books and they know exactly what's going to happen. I don't do that. So I think when a reader gets excited or, or doesn't see something coming, I didn't see it coming either. And I'm literally sitting there at my, at my computer with my mouth wide open going, I can't believe I'm typing this right now. Like I did not see this coming and that's good fun for me. Yeah. I enjoy that. I bet that comes through in the writing, which means that, the reader is going to be equally kind of like, whoa. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's really cool. Um, yeah, good fun. Yeah. Good fun. So, Andrew, if there's if there's a message you would have to someone who is in the throes of the kind of thing you started on 15 years ago and, mm. you know, the depth of the depth, what would you suggest to them? What I would suggest to them is is trying to keep it all together by yourself is is exhausting, and it's hard work, and um, and it doesn't help. Uh, from what I've found, it doesn't help. And you know what? If you're worried that somebody's going to laugh at you, then probably it's not the sort of person you want in your life anyway, right? No. So I think at some point you've got to take a leap of faith and you've got to say, I need some help. Yeah. Um, and I would say, uh, if you haven't, it doesn't even, you know, if 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 you don't, you know, if you don't want to worry your family or whatever, it, it's just got to be someone, you know. And 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 I would encourage anybody who's who's going through anything, who's having a tough time, just to just to go and talk to somebody, just to start the process. Yeah. Um. And and it'll it'll help you get through it. Um. And you know. Uh, and who knows, you could be, you know, going down and finding your own. What do we call it? Was it passion lane or passion whatever, lane. a slice of yeah. passion or something? Whatever it was at the start, you know. Go so now you that. now it's even more domains you have to register. Passion oh, lane. Oh no! Yeah, yeah. I, I got I got enough projects, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think find that that thing that gives you passion, that thing that you talk about, like I just spoke about my book with, and um, and go and find that, and go and you know, life can be much better if you're going if you're going through something really bad. Get yeah. through it. Uh, it was a great saying, you know, when you're going through hell, keep going. Yeah. Get through it. Get to the other side. Yeah. Um, because you'll be so happy that you did. I think that's really beautiful advice. I think there's potentially one situation where someone may argue with you. Okay. And it's around protecting the other person. So it's one yeah. thing that I have to be the tough guy. I have to be, I have to have my stuff together. I don't want to look bad to them. But what about those situations where, and and I'm sure you felt this. Um, I can't burden them with this. 
holding this in is not just about me being strong. It's about I'm not supposed to put this on them. What do you what do you think about that? Look, that's you know, you know, we see that sometimes. I I, I saw it um, a few years back with a with a friend who'd lost his job but was still getting dressed every day and and going to the local park because he didn't want his wife to know, you know. Um, this sort of stuff, it still happens. Um, yeah. So we just, yeah, I, again, I, I'm being very cautious here because I'm not a therapist and yeah. I don't want to say, hey, I've got all the answers. Um, but, but you I faced that with your own wife. I you did, I did. Yeah. And and I think it was more stressful for her not knowing something was wrong yeah. and not knowing what it was. That was more stressful for her, for her than if I just said, hey, I've got a problem. I need to share this with somebody. Yeah. And I think sometimes we, we don't, we don't realize that. Yeah. So I think, um, the stress of keeping a secret, you know, others know, others know usually. Yeah. Give them a little bit of credit. They know more than we think they do. And I mean, and we're not the actor we think we are sometimes. either. (laughs) Um, and maybe back to that point about, you know, the problem employee is like, we think not telling, we think telling will be so much worse than not telling. That's right. You know, and I can't put this on them. I can't, I can't, I can't. Yeah. Don't presume there's no pain to holding it in. And it's probably a lot worse than you realize. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Andrew, I really appreciate your honesty, not just today, obviously, but through the journey. Um, I'm really intrigued by the books. Really intrigued by them. Ah, Thank you. Thank you for your time, Brian. I've really enjoyed this. I've enjoyed this process. Thank you. Good. Um, where can people learn more about you and your writing and get their hands on these three characters as they come out? Yeah. Yeah. So look, I, what I'd say is, um, come, you know, come and join, uh, you know, come and join me as we go through this. Cause I, you know, every day I'm, I'm excited to announce new things and I've got film directors looking at the book and so come, come along for the ride if you're interested and, and come and join me on Facebook. It's just Andrew Hood, H-O-O-D author. Um, or at Andrew Hood author, and um, you know, uh, you know, I I always love having new people come along, and and you can hear all about the new book. It'll be available um, probably by the time um, that 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 this podcast goes out. So you know, if you come and join me there, you you'll know where to get it, and and uh, and who knows, maybe you'll be in one of the future books uh, coming. So you know, I just uh, I hope I'm not one of the dead people. Oh, no, I'll make you one of the good ones. Brian. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, you spell Brian with an I, so then people are like, no, it's someone different. It's not it's him. not him. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. No. Um, no, that's fantastic. Andrew, I really, really have enjoyed it. Um, really appreciate it. There's something very genuine and um, humble about you. And yeah, I'm curious sure. what you were like before this whole experience, but... Um, it's pretty clear you're in touch with what's going on with you. And I think that's a beautiful place to be. So, you know, thank you for sharing that with us today. Thank you, Brian. I really appreciate it. You know, the hardest part of the show is the closing. Are you ready to help me close things out? I am so ready to go out to help you. All right. Today is a new day. Go out and do it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Andrew. Thanks, Brian. Andrew's awesome. He's, He's such a, great and just very real genuine down-to-earth guy i can understand why that woman who wanted him to be her mentor was like oh you have everything together even if he didn't b 
because there's just something really genuine and real and I don't know, I feel like you can connect to him really easily. I mean, I certainly did doing the interview. I have a feeling you guys did listening as well. Um, a really cool concept for his books. I mean, the you know the the journey, the message about secrets and what they do to us is so powerful. I'm so curious for the additional growth we might have through reading something like The Man Who Corrupted Heaven and yeah, getting hooked on the whole series. And then, you know, hopefully by the time you finish that, then uh, The Man Who Settled the Score comes out and maybe you don't have to wait too much longer for The Woman Who Stole the World. But very interesting how he's using these sort of parables or stories to follow characters and develop them and be interesting, but also develop philosophy and help us work through some of what we all struggle with. So incredibly interesting, valuable way of addressing personal growth. Really excited for those books to come out. And I will link to The Man Who Corrupted Heaven in the show notes. So do check that out, as well as all of Andrew's other links and social media and all that. Since this was... Uh, you know, an anxiety-focused discussion about what goes on inside of us and how we face that and work through that. It's really topical to bring it back to do a day. You know, there's a reason why Andrew was on the show, obviously, because his story, his message really resonates with this idea of finding out what matters to us. You know, like he said, you go towards those passion lanes. I love that term. Um, but there's there's work that we need to do. And I've mentioned it before. You know, yes, I made do a day 99 cents on Kindle, so you can grab that and dig into it. If you want to go into the idea in a different way and you want to do it more like a course and work through the development of it, I've made that do a day masterclass that just came out available through the end of July. I think I said the end of June when I launched it in episode 100, but I've decided to extend it because the situation we all find ourselves in is extended and extending. And we will face anxiety, you know, like Andrew says, even when the, the things we were anxious about have been resolved or have quieted down, we may still have those feelings. And that's why I think this work is necessary. So 95% off, just $47. Super, super good value. I've even taken out the coupon code to make it just easy. Just go to brianfalchuk.com slash courses. Or just go to brianfelchuk.com and click on courses right at the top. The Do A Day Masterclass, I've made it the only one that's there, so you don't have to do any guesswork. It's 47 bucks now through the end of July. Sign up and start doing that work before it returns to its normal price of $8.97. And you can grow. And you can face what's inside of you. And you can find where that passion lane is and figure out how to get on it and charge ahead. So the black hole doesn't catch up and swallow you, just like Andrew talked about. Okay, thank you for joining me for another episode. I hope this one was valuable. I know it was for me, and I can't wait to share the next one with you. So let's all go out and do it. Thanks, everyone.